It's a hard lesson and one that seems to recur in our lives, but waiting also, as we're going to see, brings wholeness. It brings godliness, trust, renewed gratitude for his good gifts, both those that we have and those that we're still um, looking for. In the very beginning, I, I mentioned that the gospel is proclaimed through the discipline of waiting. For we wait in silence for a holy God alone, a God who is holy. We wait because we can't create answers on our own and of ourselves, because we're desperately needy. We wait because he has promised redemption and life, and as John said last week, he's promised himself. And then we wait with the heart and compassion of God, and when we get that, um, as we can work towards uh, participating with God in his restoration in our world. The good news tonight is that we turn the corner in our, our Advent meditations from um, our, some of our heavier songs that we've sung to the songs that proclaim the promises that God has already come. Um, as the video indicated, God breaks in upon our waiting um, as a surprise, oftentimes. It could be a gift, um, a touch, a, a, a small answer, an encouragement, an insight, um, perhaps a tear of joy, um, or as in the story tonight, in a host of angels that show up. And our songs, hopefully tonight as we sing and, and Christmas Eve, reflect the joy that's on this other side, and even in the midst of waiting, this fourth part of this, uh, this meditation we've been walking through, the joy of his coming, and that we gather around um, the communion table tonight, which has been empty for the last three weeks, but has his, the cup and the bread tonight, um, to remind us that God breaks in in the waiting times, and he blesses, and he brings answers I mean, he touches us, and he's faithful to his promises. As we bring our longings before him, as we talked about the very first week, and then allow him to fill us with the longings of God's own heart, we begin to see things. We begin to notice his work in ways we may not have before. And we learn not just to wait, but we learn to watch, and we learn to listen and anticipate, and I believe celebrate in the midst of the waiting. Our passage that we're going to look at today, Luke chapter 2, um, indicates three ongoing phases of waiting and longing. So I'm going to read this familiar story, um, pray, and then we will, we will look at um, these, these points in here as we move through the story. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord was shining around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them up into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, 
Isn't it great when God gives us something, we can actually attach something to it. We can actually grab a hold of it and say, he did this. It's not just a hope, but we can see it. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And everybody who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured these things up, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, and they were glorifying and praising God for everything that they had heard and seen um, as it had been told them. Lord, minister through your spirit, who's the only one who can speak to us in our hearts, in your word. Um, and whether we're waiting and hurting, whether we're rejoicing, whether we've seen your activity in great ways, or whether we're just still looking for it, may, um, may we find rest in you, um, peace, be able to trust your promises. And may you, you bring your activity in ways that we begin to see and notice and can share um, as we move with you. So do that in us tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. So three, uh, three phases to waiting. Um, by the way, they're real simple. It's waiting, seeing, and waiting. It doesn't get more simple than that. Not the greatest outline. That doesn't sound real hopeful, but it is. We'll get there. Waiting, verse 8. It's the same region or shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock tonight. What I like about that is just a picture of us. It's all it is. It's a picture of people living their life. They're out in their fields doing their job. Um, what they probably did every single day, um, just out moving through life as they did the day before, as they would the next day and the day after. And we all have those kinds of places in our life. Um, I love the fact that, that God chose shepherds because the whole picture of shepherds gets used all through the scriptures. Here in this passage, shepherds at that time were on the outside pretty much. They not only lived outside, but they were kind of on the outskirts of, of society. Um, they were kind of the people on the edge. Um, they were generally isolated and, and, and couldn't really enter into fully into the life of the people in the city. And yet they were, they were those who had the inside track as well. And we see it here because the message comes to them, but also because the very theme and, and the, the, the truths that run through the issues about shepherds is so dear to God's heart, um, who was about to send the lamb who was going to take away the sins of the world into their midst. It made sense that he would show up um, to shepherds. Um, the book of Jeremiah, actually going to read some verses from there. Um, in a number of places, it condemns the spiritual leaders of the Jewish people, and he calls them shepherds who ended up being basically evil shepherds. They are shepherds that are supposed to lead the people faithfully, and God condemns even the priests that were supposed to lead them faithfully because they had been shepherds that had not done that. Um, they had robbed and they had cheated and they had failed their people. And in the midst of those kinds of um, testimonies about them and the, the life that those people were living at that time, Jeremiah 33, it says this. I'm going to read actually um, starting verse 10 of Jeremiah 33 um, and listen to this description. Um, Thus says the Lord, in this place of which you say it is a waste without man or beast, in the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem, they are desolate They're without man or inhabitant or beast. There will, will be heard again the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, and the voice of those who sing. And they bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord, and they'll say, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. For I will restore the fortunes of the land as at first, says the Lord. And goes on to say, verse 12, Thus says the Lord of hosts, In this place that is a waste, 
and without man or without beast in all these cities, there shall again be habitations of shepherds resting their flocks. They had just been decimated off the, the, the property and the land at that time because of all the wars and their, their ex, the time of going into exile. There shall again be habitations of shepherds resting their flocks in the cities of the hill country, in the cities of Shephelah, in the cities of Negev, in the land of Benjamin, and even the places around Jerusalem, and in the cities of Judah, flocks shall again pass under the hands of the one who counts them, which is actually God himself. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I fulfill the promises I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I'll cause a righteous branch, that's Jesus, to spring up for David, and he will execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called, The Lord is Our Righteousness. What I love about that is it pictures Israel at that time, which it was, like a desert that had just been decimated. Um, the, the, the people that were supposed to be the good shepherds had failed the people. The people had refused over and over again. They had not listened or looked or waited. And God was bringing these enemies in who were, who were decimating the land and the goodness and the produce and even the good shepherds and sheep in the fields were all gone. And they get this prophecy that at some day the Messiah is going to come, this, this branch. And he's going to come and when he comes, the hills will again be filled with these shepherds and the sheep will be there. And God's going to bring something that's going to change everything. And that's what happens on this hill. It's a picture of what happens and the declaration that this one is here. And the declaration comes to shepherds who are just living their life out on a hill um, somewhere. And they get to hear the beginnings of the, be- the very beginnings of the uh, answer to this prophecy of God's coming. They're, they're in this desert place. And I'm, I'm thinking of the coldness of waiting that we talked about in the beginning of this, of this uh, series. And yet they get this great promise that comes through Jeremiah 33. So here in Luke, we have shepherds who are about to hear fulfillment of this word um, from Jeremiah. And he kind of wondered, what were they thinking um, before the the angels showed up? Um, Were they like some of the faithful people in Israel that were actually were waiting, that they actually thought about the Messiah over and over again? They read the scriptures, and they were waiting. There's anticipation, even in the dark times. Were they like that? Um, Were I think the disciples were like that. We discovered that they were waiting. They were looking. And they were ready to respond. Um, were they pretending to wait? Um, I think the Pharisees pretended to wait because the ones that heard about it and knew where he was going to be born, even when the wise men come, they, go, they don't even go look. They, they acted like they were waiting, and they knew all the verses, but they really weren't waiting. Were they like that? Um, or had they just grown dull in their waiting like we can do? And were the shepherds just guys who were just doing their work over and over again, day by day, decade by decade, apathetic and occupied either with the busyness of life or perhaps just the repetition of life that goes on and on and on, where they begin to say, who is waiting for anything? Because nothing changes. It's the same year after year after year, just passing time in their lives. Well, we don't know. What I love in this passage in Luke is that um, it doesn't really matter to God in some ways. Um, Jesus comes to people no matter where they are in that spectrum, whether we're waiting or we're anticipating, whether we've grown dull in our waiting, whether we're we've, not even thinking about it, Jesus shows up and he does in this great story with the shepherds as he appears to them. He waits, he shows up when we wait well and he shows up when we don't wait well 
and he shows up even when we've given up altogether. And in this part of the story, they are just in the midst of hard jobs and isolation and the, the living in this weary world that we sing about in one of our songs of oppression. And there they sit on this hill doing their job um, with no real reason to expect anything to happen. Um, but something does. So first, the first pattern in us that we all know real well, we've been talking about for several weeks, there's waiting. There's waiting, and the waiting's hard, and the, the waiting, it's easy to lose our way in the midst of the waiting. Second of all is seeing, verse 9 through 16, and God breaks in, which is the great news of the story, and it's, and it's, um, it's vividly breaks in. He doesn't just show up and give them a, an encouraging word, which we get sometimes, but he breaks into the night with an angel. I mean, shows up right in their midst. We don't know if the angel was up in the sky um, like the pictures show, or if it was just like with Abraham where just a man who's clearly an angel shows up and stands there and speaking to them. But they all see it. And they all take notice of it. They know that God has broken in. Um, one of the reasons I love it when people get up here and share testimony and bring a rock and say this is what God did because we all need to remember that God breaks in on our waiting because a bunch of us are sitting there still waiting and haven't seen it. And other people are seeing things. We need to hear those stories because it encourages our own hearts. And first there's one angel, and he's standing there, and he's, he speaks his great words to them, and they're just listening. Um, and he brings a message um, that everybody was supposed to hear, and they get to hear it. Listen to these words. It talks about the glory was there. There was shining all around them. It's consuming them, and they're wrapped around it. He uses the word great joy when he speaks about it. something's coming. These guys are just shepherds who are outcasts in society sitting there. And he says, you are about to experience incredible joy that you could never get your hands around. He gives them a promise, and he tells them that there's going to be an answer to that promise at the same time, which is, that is awesome when that happens, isn't it? God gives a promise, and we get to see it answered right at the same time, and they get that here. And I love it because he says, it's been born for you. And although it's for all of us, I love how the, the, the angel speaks to them and says, this is for you, right here, right now. And then God continues to break in. What happens here? It says, suddenly, um, suddenly, there was an angel. There was a multitude of heavenly hosts coming. And whether they surrounded or stood around them or they were in the sky, we don't know if they're angels or cherubim and seraphim or they're flaming angels. Whatever they saw, they were surrounded by a host, which is thousands of these angels. And they weren't even talking to the shepherds. They were just speaking the glory of God in their midst. They got to see what it was like to do that. Just watching it in their midst. And they got to see it. And even in all the waiting that might follow, they were never, ever going to forget that moment. It's not one they could forget. And they were inundated with the presence and the work of God suddenly in their midst. It's absolutely incredible scene and experience that they got to, got to experience. Something that we, I think, gosh, I want to see that, don't you? Wouldn't that be something? And you never forget it. You just hang on to that thing. And they saw it all. And they watched them give praise. And they see something they can never forget. And notice their renewed trust that comes out of it. What do they say? Let's go and what? Let's go see it. They knew it had happened. They knew it. They could tell. They couldn't miss it. And so their trust was renewed, and their life was shaped and changed because they had actually seen the working of the presence of God in their midst, and they head out to see it, to go. Tozer once said, 
that God is always speaking. He's always revealing himself to those who would have the hearts and the ears to listen. And sometimes we grow dull in the waiting, and we quit, look, we quit looking. And we quit, our, our ears get dull to it, and we don't take notice of it. And here they get shaken out, and they see it afresh. Do we stop in the end of our day, as we've talked about here sometimes, and ask, where did I see God moving today? Where perhaps did I miss him? And how could I look better? And how could I pay attention more? Where were those ripples in the water or that glimmer of the dawn that were the the pictures of his presence coming in that I, I missed today? And where did I actually see them? And I should have stopped and paid attention. Where have I seen evidences in my day that he's moving and acting? The reminders that underneath that snow we talked about in the first week that there's this grass that's flourishing underneath there. And it peaks up every now and then. And did we see it? Did we see him doing it? Remember that it's still there. And underneath it, there's blossoms waiting to come up. Um, But at the moment, we don't see them. But we get pictures of them along the way. And here in this story, I love it. They're out there waiting. And then God breaks in. That's what we've been waiting for these four weeks. God, break in and just show us something of yourself. Because we need to see you working in the midst of our waiting. And then number three, the third step here is we wait, we see, and there's more waiting. But it's different kind of waiting. The third phase is waiting again, but it is a transformed waiting that is no longer waiting, but it's waiting with some other things going on at the same time. It changes it. First thing that happens here, we're, it's a waiting that's marked by telling. It says they went off here. Um, they went in haste and found Mary and Joseph. And when they saw it, they says, verse 17, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And everybody was hearing it, it says. In the midst of their waiting, God shows up, and then they start telling people what God did. This is what we saw. And whether it's the smallest little thing that we see in our day, or it's some great movement of God, or it's just that little thing that just reminds that God's there, the waiting that comes after should be a waiting that's marked by telling. This is what God did. This is what I'm seeing, because we need to hear that from each other. They run off to see and tell their story. And I imagine they never quit telling that story. This is not one you forget. And I imagine they kept telling this one over and over and over and over and over again. And maybe even as old men, 30 years later, they were following Jesus, and they said, that's the one that we were told about. And they were still telling the story. Second of all, in the midst of the waiting, they were changed because they were watching. They were now watching. It says that they, um, it says the shepherds returned. What do you think they're, and I was just thinking, what was it like to walk back to the hills? Because that's back to the same old, same old, right? They're going back to that place. I imagine they're looking for the angels again. I, that's, that's my guess, is that they were probably thinking, are they, if they're going to show up again, you know, what might happen here? I mean, you know, it's like when you fall asleep in the car and then you wake up and you're like really alert for a while because like you're really looking like I'm not going to not going to do that. I imagine they're like that. And there's a sense of like fear and anticipation and kind of like an actual the actual expectation that we miss so often. I know God's going to do something, but do I really on the edge of my heart anticipate that he's gonna actually going to do something? I don't. They went forward, I think that they were watching, and they were either looking up or they were looking around or whatever they were doing that they were watching. God would break in on us again. They believed it, and they knew that he was near, so near that he could just crack open the, the door of heaven and show himself just like that, and they could see everything that God was doing and the praises of his heaven. As the years unfolded, did they, 
see his work unfolding, did they hear stories and did they encourage their hearts? Um, I don't think that they just watched their flocks ever again. I bet they were always looking around. Um, so their waiting was transformed because it was marked by telling and it was marked by watching. There's an old radio show that always ended saying, keep on working, waiting, and watching because Titus chapter 2.11 says we're supposed to look for the blessed hope in the appearing of God our Savior. And the third thing that was transformed is they went back worshiping. They're telling, watching, and worshiping. That brings us right back to the theme that we've talked about many, many times. As we go out from this place, God has taken everything we've done and has transformed it into worship. The works of our hands, our conversations, our interactions as people create an image of God and sent up by him, it comes to worship. And so they go back, it says here in verse 20, returned, but it says they were glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard just as it had been told them. They went back to the same life, but they went back worshiping. And we, in the midst of our waiting, as the video was talking about, what do we do? We worship. And worship is not just our voices, not just our gathering, which is a big part of it, but everything we do, we offer it up to God as worship as we wait on his work in our life. So that brings us back to the video. So we worship in everything we do, even in our waiting. We worship and we watch and we go about telling of the one we live for and long for. Every activity of our going about has been transformed to, into worship by the Holy Spirit. And so we go out every day again and again and again. And our lives actually become reminders to other people who are waiting that God is at work. That's how he does it. And so we see each other worshiping, living lives, and, 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 and still paying attention to him. And the rest of us that are struggling with the waiting see God's at work because our worshiping becomes an actual evidence that God is at work, that we are not forgotten, that there's actually good news and there's actually a promise for tomorrow. Today we, we, we get to remember on this side that Jesus has already come. Um, he came and he lived and he gave his life and he died and he was resurrected and he lives on our behalf today. He changes and transforms our lives when we put our trust in him. God has already broken in on the world and in the Holy Spirit he is right here in our midst. He has transformed us and he's given us all of himself as John talked about last week and we can trust him with our longings and, our, and live lives of worship as we wait for him to come again with that final word when he actually does put everything in order. The communion elements that we get to take tonight remind us that God broke in and did a work and is here in our midst and is coming again and is still at work and he's still arriving again and again and again and he still hears the cries of his people. I want to go back to Jeremiah as we close um, this up a little bit. Um, back in chapter 33, the third verse says that Jeremiah was going to hear great and wonderful things that he couldn't ever know on his own. Um, the great and wonderful thing that there was an answer coming. It was a long time coming, but it was coming, and it was going to change everything. In that story of Jeremiah, he's going to be in prison. He's going to be cast out by his people. The entire nation is going to get sent out into exile. It is not a good time for them. Um, and yet God, in the midst of it, gives these great promises to his people that he's coming. Back in... Um, the first chapter of Jeremiah, I'll just read a couple of verses here. Um, the very first words Jeremiah gets is the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkah, one of the priests. He was in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came. And the word came in verse 11 of Jeremiah chapter 1 to Jeremiah and said, Jeremiah, what do you see? 
And Jeremiah answered, I see an almond branch. And the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I'm watching over my word um, to perform it. Jeremiah was born in a town, this town, and the town was known for its almond trees. Um, and the, the almond trees were the first ones to bud into flowers when the spring came. And so God um, addresses Jeremiah to these trees that he was familiar with because they're going to be a sign for him that God is going to be at work. There's going to be a sign coming that God is still at work even in the midst of his ruin and the exile and the things that he's waiting for. The Hebrew word he says here in, the, in those verses I just read, the Lord said to me, you have seen well for I'm watching over my word to perform it. The Hebrew word for watching is another form of the word for almond. Um, there are two forms of the same word. The root of both words means to watch or to wake, to be awakened. On um, the almond tree, it was called the waking tree because it said that spring was waking up when they saw the flowers coming up. And the people would watch those trees as they longed in their hearts for the first signs of spring to come. So we too watch and we worship and we wait and we're going to see the movement of God as we wait and watch because the little things begin to happen. And saying, God's here. God's doing that. And primarily, he shows it in his promises, in his word that he's given to us. Um, we will see his movement, his waking up, his breaking into our lives. Um, I got these kind of thoughts from a, uh, there's a video that Wheaton College has put out, an Advent video. And um, I just wanted you guys to listen to one of them. She's, the gal is talking about these verses from Jeremiah and that God brings promises into our life to show that he's at work. And in the midst of waiting, he brings Nancy. So listen to this, and then we'll wrap this up. The communion elements behind me remind us that we get to celebrate Jesus because um, the great message of Christmas, and in this midst of this waiting and this longing, is that God burst in on us, each of us. And he's brought something to us. And, and I grab onto his word because the word reminds me that he's, he's kept his promises again and again, and again, and again, and he will fulfill them. Um, he pours into himself, and we have just begun to experience and receive and um, take a hold of all the good things that he's promised to those who would love him. We celebrate the communion because God is good. He loves us. He's at work. He keeps his promises. He gives, and he does it in his time, and he always gives good gifts to his children because that's the kind of God that came and that we serve. And that causes us to take these things and break them together and remember that God is at work and it causes us to move from the songs of lament to songs of rejoicing um, in this Christmas season. Let's, uh, Janice, if you could bring the worship team up and um, I'm going to pray over our, our communion elements here and then we're going to sing and the, uh, the table is open behind me and on the side tonight that we can remember the goodness of God who kept his promises and our Christmas celebration reminds us that God is good. And that means he's going to move here in our lives today as well. Father, I want to thank you for um, your word and that reminder that you um, have fulfilled every promise. Um, that you are working even as we wait. And so, Lord, uh, meet us as you always do. With those blossoms of, even if they're small, that just remind us that you are actively moving in our midst. We thank you for the incredible gift of new life that comes through the cross. 
and for the bread and the cup that we can celebrate and rejoice over them because we've been made new in you and made new creatures. And then send us out, Lord, as um, bearers of a message to a world that needs to hear it, that there is hope and that you are active and you are working and you have already brought um, a life change. May you do that in us. Um, Receive our voices in our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.